Hey, good morning, family of grace. It's good to be with you. I don't know if you guys have, have heard of this book. Um, I was listening to a radio show, and they did an interview with the author, David Brooks. Like, why did you write a book called The Road to Character? And David shared a story. He, he was driving home one day, and the radio station he was listening to was doing a rebroadcast of the V-Day celebration. The V-Day, the day after the Allies won World War II. I mean, the greatest military victory of the 20th century. And, and people like Frank Sinatra and other celebrities are doing performances, and it's a huge celebration. But what struck David was the fact that the overall tone of the celebration was one of immense sobriety. There was, a, there was a somberness to it, a humility. There was a sense of the people that we defeated were just like us. We're not morally superior to them. Honestly, we're just glad that this whole thing's over. And after the rebroadcast, David, you know, gets out of his car, he walks inside, he turns on an NFL football game. And he watches as the quarterback, you know, snaps back, throws a quick pass to the wide receiver who runs it two yards into the end zone. And then the wide receiver proceeds to spike the ball and do this dance as the cameraman zooming in nice and close. And, and David realized, I have just seen more arrogant self-promotion from a two-yard carry for a touchdown than from the Allies winning World War II. And that struck him. And he's like, that's not right. And so he began to, to write the book. It's a good one. But we're, you know, he, he wrote about character. I want us to think about boasting for a minute. That kind of arrogant self-promotion. We, we see it everywhere. I mean, call it swagger, call it strutting, call it, you know, in, inflating yourself, you know, like the, those uh, inflatable body suits. And you know, we're going to make ourselves seem bigger, stronger, faster than we actually are. And it's so pervasive that we're used to it. I don't know if you guys recognize this. This guy's name is Edward Bernays, or, or was. Yeah, he's dead now. This is Sigmund Freud's nephew. And we call him the father of spin. Because he was the first one to take some of Freud's ideas and use it in marketing. Like, rather than sell, you a, sell us a product based on how well it works, how reliable and dependent it is, he said, let's sell products that offer people a new kind of identity. Let's tie the notion of, like, cigarette smoking for women to the notion of women's liberation and, and joining the world of men that we've been excluded from. And so one of his first marketing campaigns was called Torches of Freedom. And it was wildly successful. You know, these days you were offered certain beverages to consume that promised the moment that you, you know, open that bottle or, or pop that can lid, you will be instantly transported into this amazing party with great weather, surrounded by friends who love you, and you're going to be awesome, despite the fact that at the time you're sitting in your apartment alone inside because it's smoky. You know, and we're, we've gotten so used to these products that promise us the good life that we don't think about it anymore. But it's laughable, really. Uh, of course, a drink can't solve our life's problems but we like, kind of like to pretend that it does. And if it was only, you know, out there, outside of the world of people who have chosen to follow Jesus in his ways, if it was only out there, it wouldn't be so bad. But 
this kind of boasting has made it w- its way into the church. And uh, you guys saw me use this illustration a couple weeks ago. I was like, we, we within the church, we have this tendency to, to promote ourselves. We want, us, we want people to think well of us. We want to boast about our, our accomplishments and, and really make much of us. And that's a problem. It's a problem. It's not a unique one. It's been going on, well, since the very beginning. It was going on in the Corinthian church. I don't know if you you are aware as we're tracking through the scene, but Paul uses the word boasting 42 times in two letters, which compared to Romans, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, his letter to the Colossian church, and the the, the two letters to the Thessalonians, and his two letters to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, between all those other letters, he uses the term boasting nine times. So something is going on in Corinth where these people have a problem and, and they're not alone. We have a problem too. So this morning, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to boast. I'm kind of excited about it. We're going to talk about how these people were doing it improperly, how, how when we do it improperly, it's often because we are ignoring something that's true. And then I'm going to talk about ways that, that Paul shows that we can do it legitimately because Paul does boast. Now, last week, Claire Marie said something. It was really important, and it's worth repeating. If you want to know what's important in in a work of literature, read the beginning and read the end. And if there's a common thread between the two, you're on to something important. And Paul, at the beginning of the letter to 1 Corinthians, and at the end of the letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul makes a reference to this verse from the Old Testament from the prophet Jeremiah. We've read it before, but let's read it again. This is what Yahweh, the I am who I am, the the personal God who created heaven and earth, this is what Yahweh says. Don't let the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. Don't do that. But let the one who boasts boast about this. God's going to tell us how we should be boasting. That they understand and they know me. That I am Yahweh who displays knowledge, kindness, excuse me, kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. Because I delight in these things. You want to know what you can boast about? Boast in the character of God and the actions of God. He loves kindness. He loves justice. He loves righteousness. That's who he is. Or as Paul summarizes it, Paul says, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And there you go. You can just go home now. That's, that's it. Boast in the Lord. But I hope to teach you a little bit of how to do that better. And, and to clear up some confusion because Paul is kind of a confusing guy at times. He, he says very explicitly, and we're going to look at it, don't boast in people. But then he boasts in people. So what's going on? So we're going we're gonna to look at it. And this verse was really helpful to me as I thought about boasting. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul had just concluded his foolish boasting and talking about visions and revelations of heaven. And, and, and then Paul says this, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. So the first thing to a foolish boast is it's false. It's not true. Second thing he says, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Second thing that we should avoid, even if we're speaking the truth, if we're doing it in a way to just promote ourselves, 
to, to try to earn credit with other people that, we, that they have not seen within our actions, that we have not earned from them, we should avoid it. All right? So speaking falsehoods, getting people to think more than we deserve from them. And if I was going to summarize, what is a foolish boast, according to Paul? Speaking in a way that fails to recognize what is really true, what is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. But proper boasting then would be speaking the truth in service to others, speaking the truth in love. Not just enough to not tell falsehoods, but to do so in a way that it's done for the good of others. And and that's kind of a a subtext to everything that we're going to talk about, is everything that Paul is doing and all of these boasts that he's going to make are done with other people in mind for their good. So here's the agenda for this morning. I'm gonna, we're going to look at three main categories uh, of improper boasting. We're going to look at the truths that were ignored, and then we're going to look at how Paul says we can boast properly about this stuff. And, and the way I just did the sermon is I just read First and Second Corinthians, and I tracked, like, oh, he's using boasting here and here and here and here 42 times, and then I just went back and said, now how is he using the word boasting? And and tried to synthesize and, and condense some of the data. So these are not everything that can be said about boasting from First and Second Corinthians, but three main ways. Boasting in people, boasting in work, boasting in gifts. So let's start with people. We get in trouble with people in, in two ways. We overvalue them, and we give them credit that they don't deserve. And here's what Paul says about overvaluing people. Paul says, the wisdom of the world is folly with God. It's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they're futile. So let no one boast in men. Like God created heaven and earth. God, yeah, he's a great author. He wrote the human genome. Like all that DNA sequencing, that was his idea. He's a pretty smart guy. And compared to him, humans just aren't that smart. God's not super impressed with human ingenuity. And we shouldn't be overly impressed either. Let's not overvalue people. Whereas the book of Isaiah says, why why are you so afraid of people? Their life is in their breath. You know, it doesn't matter what CEO, you know, what ruler or government official is out there. If they stop breathing for just a couple minutes, they're gone. We should rather be afraid and, and by fear, like a life orientation around respect and, and awe and reverence and submission to God. So let's not overvalue people. And we give people credit they don't deserve. Paul says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So it's not he who plants nor he who waters, but God who gives the growth. Now, I don't know if you remember all the way back in 1 Corinthians, but the, the Corinthians, they were dividing over their teachers. And we do too. We have our favorite theologians. We have our favorite, you know, pastors. We have our favorite podcasters. We have our favorite authors. We have our favorite musicians. And we could go on. We, we boast that people are different. We boast that these, these people will change your life. They're amazing. Like, and we tell those people, like, they, they've changed my life. And the truth of the matter is, they haven't. (laughs) They haven't. Because there's not a person around that can actually change your life, that can actually cause you to grow. You know what? God makes things grow. 
People can plant. People can water. There is work for us to do. But if there's growth in you or in someone else, that's a work of God. So let's not give people credit for what God has done. So improper boasting. We overvalue people. We give them credit they don't deserve. And the truth we ignore is one, you know, God's far greater than people. And that God makes things grow. Let's not Let's not snub God of the credit that he deserves. But if you want to properly boast in people, well, then do it in a way that acknowledges God. Paul boasts about the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, I protest my brothers by my pride in you. It's the English word pride. It's the Greek word boasting. It's the same word. And he says in in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, I'm acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. Paul is elated. He is so happy about what God has done in this church community. And so to that notion, can you tell people I'm proud of you? The Apostle Paul does. So do it properly, but I think it's okay. And he says in in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, look, it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. I know your readiness, which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Now, remember the context, 8 and 9. It's about this collection uh, that Paul is putting together for the Jerusalem church. And so Paul has gone to these churches of Macedonia, northern Greece, and he's just boasted that the Corinthians have been ready to give. And because of this boast, the Macedonians have pooled resources and given generously. It was a blessing to them to be able to be a part of this. And it's going to be a blessing to the Jerusalem church. And now Paul's telling the Corinthians, I've boasted about you. Like I, I gave them a recommendation about the kind of character and people that you are. So now, now don't, don't humiliate yourselves or me. Like make that happen. So proper boasting in people is, is giving people recommendations. It's acknowledging this is the kind of character these people have. And this is the kind of action that you can expect from them in service to others. It wasn't about making Achaia seem like the best, you know, church in the Greco, you know, in the Grecian peninsula. It was about serving people. And so Paul feels free to boast. So that's how we can boast in people. So again, to summarize, we, we get people wrong when we overvalue them and when we give them credit they don't deserve. Because we overlook the fact that God's involved, that God is great, and that God is good. But, you know, if you want to boast in people, boast about what's true about people in service to others and in, in love with other people in mind. All right, so that's, that's people. Let's go on to work, ministry. Now, a quick caveat. I say ministry, but I just mean work. I mean, anything that you do, be it your job or something that you do in, in service to others, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is your work, that is your ministry, just like other other nations around the world, they have people like the minister of finance. That's what they call him. It just, he's a servant. It's just a servant. People that you serve. And we get this wrong, and the Corinthians did, by, by boasting about outward appearances, outward things, about the way that they look, about the credentials they have, about spiritual experiences. When we boast about work that was done by others, and we, again, we take credit we don't deserve. And when we make authoritative judgments about work that was done by others. So let's, let's dive in. So about outward things, Paul wants the Corinthians to be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what was in the heart. Remember, these other teachers were so much 
more impressive outwardly than Paul was. But Paul says, I have loved you and served you. You know about what's, what's inside. These outward things don't matter. It's just slick marketing, but there's no substance to it. Man looks on the outside. God looks at the heart. You know, or credentials. Paul just makes fun of these things that they were valuing, being a Hebrew or Israelite or a son of Abraham or a servant of Christ as a title. Paul says those things don't matter. They don't matter. Because you and I all know people who, have, who are licensed and bonded and insured, people who have all the credentials and the degrees needed to do a job, but they do lousy work. Just having a title or having a credential doesn't mean that you can serve people well. Again, outward things. We get in trouble when we boast about it and not about what's going on inside. Or what about spiritual experiences? These people were boasting about elaborate visions of heaven. And Paul says, you know what? I had them too. But all of my personal experience of God and his word, if I just tell you about it, it doesn't actually mean that I'm going to show up and serve you well. Remember, when we look at a good servant of, of Christ, we want to look at, did they bring us the real Jesus and did they love us sacrificially? Did they serve us well? Those, those are the credentials we want to look at. See, and, and the truth, again, with all of these things that we ignore is that God looks at the heart. That's what in, it's what's inside people that really matters. It, it's their motives. Do they, do they love us? Do they actually love us? Because, again, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all the spiritual gifts in the world, all knowledge and all prophecy and all tongues, and you can have faith that could, <laughs> could move a mountain. And yet, if you don't have love, you're nothing. If you don't have love, you're nothing. God looks at the heart. And we get, we get work wrong when we boast about work done by others. And you and I both know how annoying and frustrating it is when people lie and they take credit for what other people have done. Be it your workplace, be it, be it in, in ministry or in a job. And, and the problem is not only when those other people are around, but when those people are not around. Do you guys ever get frustrated when you see uh, maybe, a, I was going to say a politician or, or a leader, someone who's now in charge, taking credit for stuff that their predecessors actually did. Like you just happened to reap the benefits, but all the groundwork for that was laid long ago. Or I, I saw a great comic one time that just really displayed this notion of entitlement. And it was just the stories of two people at a dinner. One was the person that the dinner was being held in honor for, and the other was the person who was waiting tables. And it just went back and it traced how one of them was born into a broken home of impoverishment and one was born into in, in wealth and entitlement and one went to a private school and the other one had to, you know, parents were at home to help them with their homework and they had to work long hours and their school was poorly funded and their teachers weren't very good. And, just, and it just kind of tracked how both of them arrived at the dinner. And at the dinner, the, the person it's being held in honor says, I have earned everything like, I, I've done it all for myself. Like, no one, no one gave me anything. And the person waiting at the table says, if you only knew, if you only knew all the work that other people had done for you that you didn't deserve, all the backstory. Because these, again, these false teachers that come into Corinth and they're trying to take credit 
<laughs> for some of the work that Paul had done. They're, they're encroaching on his territory, and it's not, it's not okay. And so Paul says, we will not boast beyond limits. We're going to confine our boasting to the area of influence that God has assigned to us. And, and the truth that gets ignored when we start boasting is that God uses other people too. He has used other people too. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge it. Now, also, I bring up judgment. And, and this is one you're not going to find boasting in these, these passages, but I, I think the, the ideas are related. When we pass authoritative judgment on someone being awesome or someone being not awesome as a servant of Christ, we are, we are encroaching on the Lord's territory. As Paul says, don't pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who's going to bring to light things now hidden in darkness and discloses the purposes of the heart. And then each one will receive his commendation from God. Like we don't know everything that's going on yet. And so sometimes we, we esteem people in ministries and, and we esteem people's work and their job. And then later on, it's all exposed as a fraud and a sham. And, and it's sad. And sometimes we, we degrade people and we mock people and we say they've done a lousy job. And then later what? They're actually vindicated. And it's shown that they really loved and served people well. And we need to remember that Jesus is the ultimate judge. He's the only one with all the information and all the authority to make the final pronouncement. So again, boasting and work. When we're doing it in outward appearances, when we're done at work done by others, when we're judging, um, work done by others, we're ignoring these truths. That God looked at the heart. You know, did, our, did servants... Did people bring us a real Jesus? Did they love us sacrificially? That God uses other people too and that Jesus is the judge. So if you want to learn to, to boast about work properly, boast about your motives, boast about your proper limits, and, and don't judge until Christ comes. Um, so proper limits, Paul says, look, God has made us a minister of the new covenant. We're not sufficient of ourselves except for that God has done this for us. We planted this church. We're not going to boast beyond limits, but our sphere of influence includes you because we were the first to bring you the gospel of Christ. Paul boasts about his motives. He says, look, the testimony of our conscience says that we've behaved in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. We have loved you well. And it's something he can speak authoritatively on. This, as far as I know, the motives of my heart towards you were totally good. I had good intentions in all that I did to love and serve you, not to take advantage of you. And so again, Paul says, don't pronounce judgment. So let me, let me illustrate this out by telling you a tale of two youth pastors. Um, when I was in high school, we had, I, had, I went through two youth pastors during my four-year tenure as a high school student. The first pastor's name was Wilbur. And Wilbur ran a great youth group. His son um, was involved and he, he did the youth ministry for a while. And then Wilbur quit being a youth pastor. And what I heard as a high schooler was that because he, he wasn't willing to work for less money. Um, the church was kind of on some financial rough spot. And they said, Can you, will you work for less? And he said, no, I can't do it. And as a high school student, I was crushed. I'm like, you mean Wilbur was only doing this because of the money? He didn't actually love me? And I was sorely disappointed. And then this new guy stepped in named Jim. And Jim was just fun. He's kind of a character. <laughs> um, 
I, I still remember some quotes from him that are a little bit on the questionable side, but uh, yeah, he, he ran a fun youth group. And so if you had asked me as a high school student, which one was a better youth pastor, volunteer, you know, I would have said Jim because, you know, Wilbur just did it for the money. Well, fast forward 10 to 15 years. One, I've come to understand that, that what, what they were paying Wilbur was likely only for the time of the event and not all the preparation that guy put into it. Like, as, as I realize now, I'm like, oh man, he worked hard. He had to have. Like, that kind of youth group doesn't happen by accident. And my, my understanding has grown as an adult. And, I, and so I, I begin to realize, like, I bet he had to stop because he had a limited number of time and he just can't give more of it without at least some, some compensation. I think that's what's going on. I haven't gone back to talk to Wilbur about it. But the thing is about Jim is that I found out a decade later um, from people in the, the church that I grew up at that Jim had actually been living a, a dual life. And I went, what? I'm like, yeah, he, uh, he had a second woman that he was you know, relation, maritally involved with almost like a whole second family that he just kept secret from everybody. And he, he ended up just leaving the family that I associated him with and he went off to them and he's walked away from the Lord and, and everything that he's done. And all of a sudden, some of those slightly questionable character things that I saw in Jim began to make sense. Whereas Wilbur, even to this day, is is loving and serving the church and is still involved with people. And, and I don't know, it was just amazing to me to look at how my opinion of these two men over the last 15 years has completely swapped places because I, I've gotten to see a little bit more of their heart. I wonder what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. Imagine it'll be that, only so much more so. So if we're going to look at boasting in the work that's done. Let's not boast in just outward appearances. Let's not boast in work done by others or, or make improper judgments because that's Jesus's work. Let's understand that God looks at the heart, that God uses other people, that Jesus will judge it. And if you're going to summarize it all, I'll just say God cares about the work. It matters to him. And so he is actively involved in it. So if you want to boast, this is how you can boast properly. Boast about your intents. <laughs> boast about your motives. Boast about proper limits. Like, God has given me this area of authority. This, this is my job. This is, this is the, the area that I'm in charge of. These, this is my family. I think these are all areas of, of influence that God has assigned to you. And let's withhold final judgment until Jesus comes. And then lastly, let's just talk briefly about gifts. We get gifts wrong when we boast as if gifts were earned. When we use gifts as, as ways of separating ourselves from others. Gifts are meant to be given. Like we give from God so that we can give to others. But when we boast and brag and use it to divide ourselves from each other, we do it wrong. And the Corinthians were doing it wrong. This is like 1 Corinthians in a nutshell. <laughs> we got teachers wrong and freedoms wrong and, and knowledge and finances and spiritual gifts. You know, freedoms, uh, the Corinthians were boasting about their freedom in Christ and they were using it as an excuse for sexual immorality. And Paul goes, what are you doing? 
That, that's not what's about. They were boasting about their teachers. And remember, we, we talked about that. Paul says, look, we're just servants. God gives the growth. You know, they're boasting about how much knowledge they have. And Paul says, all that knowledge has done is to just puff you up. Love, love builds up. And, and they're boasting about, you know, finances. The rich are eating at the Lord's Supper and leaving other people to just to starve. And there's just a separation in the community. Uh, there's this inequality over your socioeconomic status. And, and spiritual gifts too. They, they're valuing and prioritizing, you know, uh, you know, prophets, uh, tongues is like their, their high one. And Paul says, no, you want to know the, the important spiritual gifts? It's the one that serves the most people. It, the service gifts, not the, not the personal gifts. And he reminds them that while, while all of us have different gifts, all of us have received those gifts from God. So the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He says later, God distributes these gifts to each one as he determines. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. God has just given it to us. And, and so throughout First and Second Corinthians, I'm not going to read all these, but he just says, look, this is what we have. We have been enriched in every way. We have the mind of Christ. We've been given a trust. We've, we've received uh, everything from God. We have the Holy Spirit and knowledge and the gospel and, and hope in Christ. And in Second Corinthians, he says, we have comfort from God and confidence and a hope and a ministry and a treasure. We have everything and we have these promises. We have all that we need. We've been given God's power. And so uh, to, to quote 1 Corinthians 4, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? You didn't earn this. You don't deserve it. So why are you boasting as if you're something special? Why don't we just recognize the truth that everything that we have has come from God? Everything has come from God. And let's boast in his grace. Let's boast about what he's given us. Paul does a great job of this in 1 Corinthians 15. You know, in all of his letters, Paul calls himself an apostle. That's a pretty hefty title to be waving around. But this is what Paul says about it. He says, Christ, when he appeared after his crucifixion and burial, he came back to the, he was raised from the dead and he appeared to people. And last of all, as to one untimely born, just completely out of season, he appeared to me also. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by God's grace, I am what I am. Like I'm an apostle and no one, nobody is going to tell me differently because God's grace has given this to me. And his grace was to me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them. <laughs> I have busted. <laughs> I have worked so hard for this, but it, it's not that I'm awesome. It wasn't I. It was the grace of God at work within me. Like, he, he just, he gets that line so well. I am an apostle and I have worked my tail off. But this is just the outworking of God's grace. And so he acknowledges God and what he's done. So you want to know how to properly boast? Boast in the Lord. Boast in the things that God has given you. You didn't deserve it. You don't earn it. doesn't matter. He gave it to you. He's good. So again, gifts. We get it wrong when we think that we earned it. We get it wrong when we use it to divide ourselves from one another. But we get it right when we realize that God has given us everything and we boast in the Lord. So again, as Paul has begun and ended, so we will begin and end with this. But the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I just want to read you guys a, a reminder from 1 Corinthians 1. I think this is so good as we, we conclude here. He says, Consider your calling, my brothers, my sisters. 
Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. It's almost like Paul has in mind, let not the wise boast in their wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the rich in their riches. He says, but look, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. If we understood who God is, we wouldn't need, we, we when it comes to boasting in the Lord, we don't need to fluff God up. We don't need to tell lies. We don't need to do a slick marketing campaign for him. You know, we don't need to, to, to try to make, you know, celebrate him like a, a two-yard carry for a, a touchdown and like, oh, this is the best thing ever. If you want to boast in the Lord, you can boast in the fact that he's good. You can boast in the fact that he, he loves kindness and justice and righteousness and these things he delights. If you understood who God is, you could just talk about him. Because honestly, you don't yet know him as you should. I don't know, don't know yet as he should. He is bigger and better by far than we imagine. And his love is astoundingly huge. And his grace is crazy. It's crazy good. Oh, that we learn to boast in the Lord. And so this series, Regift, we're coming to a close. And as we've said before, we'll say again one last time, because of what God has given us, we have much to give. And I'm convinced that if you want to get boasting right, just understand who God is and what he's done. And, and it'll change your life and you'll just live in profound humility and gratitude and, and overflowing and abundant thankfulness. Just joy, just joy in what God has done for us. And out of that, you can just give and bless others. So this morning, if you have a problem with boasting, if, if the ways of the world and, and the marketing and, and the social media and Instagram posts just, you, you really struggle not to do that, Maybe you can respond by taking a media fast just for a time. Set, you know, a day, a week, and just turn off, turn off your devices and take that time to dedicate yourself to prayer, to, to gratitude, to thankfulness. Maybe, maybe you have a problem with boasting. Maybe you need to pray God and ask him for humility. God, help me to love what is actually true. What is actually true. Even though I'm nothing, let me know that you're everything and that you love me anyway. And to be confident and comfortable with that. Or maybe you can just work on gratitude. Try to go one day without complaining about anything, but instead try to thank God for everything. And if you want to make a better boast, here's some things you can do. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Just make a list. One to a hundred. It won't take you too long. And just start saying all the things that God has given me. You know, Paul gave us a huge list. You can go back and look at it. Or maybe, God, thank you for indoor plumbing and thank you for electricity and thank you for clean air. I didn't really value that. But, oh man, that's something good. And, and thank you for Jesus and thank you for my family and for my friends and for this church and for this country. And let's just live in gratitude. Or maybe today you need to make a boast and you need to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Maybe, maybe someone's, you're in relationship with someone and they need to hear what God has done through you for them. Or maybe they need to hear what you have seen God do in them. Maybe you need to boast about that. 
Because as we love the truth, as we speak the truth in service to others, we grow to be kind of like Paul, who imitated his entire life like Jesus. As Jesus said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. So guys, let us be the ones who boast in the Lord. I hope we can learn to do it better because there's no one like our God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, help us to know that you are Yahweh. You are the God of gods and King of kings and Lord of lords. That you love kindness and justice and righteousness. Lord, if we could just see you more like who you actually are, everything would be changed about us. Help us to love you more. And out of that love and recognition of all that you've done for us, help us to love and serve one another and the world around us. For Jesus' sake, amen.